Our scripture reading today will come from the book of Joshua, chapter 7, verses 20 through 26. Let us hear God's word. Achan replied, it is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites, and spread them out before the Lord. Then Joshua, together with all Israel, took Achan, son of Zariah, the silver, the robe, the gold wedge, his sons, his daughter, his cattle, donkeys, and sheep, his tent, all he had in the valley of Achor. Joshua said, Why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him, and after they had stoned him, the rest they burned them. Over Achan, they heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, that place has been called the Valley of Achor ever since. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you. Good job, man. Good morning, family. I thank my dear wife for uh, that uh, reading of the word of God and uh, or the pray, reading, Brother Jason prayed, God bless you. I got to get everything together here. Uh, on behalf of my dear wife and, uh, and my mom, uh, we want to wish all of you a happy 4th of July. Uh, we honor our pastor who was absent from us, Pastor Steve Glide and his dear wife, uh, Kathy. Uh, we want to be in prayer for them. Uh, as uh, as they uh, travel back here. Let's ask God's blessing upon our service this morning, shall we? It's so good to see all of you here this morning. Father, as was prayed earlier, Lord, we enjoy freedoms, really, that uh, truth be told, we, we really don't deserve. Uh, but we thank you for America. Uh, as the slogan goes, God bless America. And we thank you for America, Lord. Uh, uh, Certainly uh, not perfect uh, yet. uh, uh, I know for myself, it's no other place I would rather live on the face of this earth than here in America. So thank you, Lord. You said righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to many. Father, may we be the people of God in this freedom that we enjoy that would be a shining light for you. Father, may I decrease that you increase this morning. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen and amen. 
Well, I would like to use as a title, if I may, for this message, Do You Have an Aiken Heart? Do you, this is personal, folks. We want to make this personal this morning, okay? It may be a little uncomfortable for some. I'll give you an opportunity to leave if you like. But do you, it's a very personal, very personal, do you have an aching heart? Can we be real this morning? Sin is one of those subjects Christ followers would, well, rather not talk about. It causes some discomfort because we're all guilty of sin on a daily basis. You see, one of the greatest Christ followers of all time, who, by the way, wrote half the New Testament, the Apostle Paul I'm referring to, said this about sin in his personal life. In Romans chapter 7, starting at verse 15, and I quote, I do not understand what I do, Paul says, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. In other words, the Apostle Paul struggled with sin in his life. So so the question posed in today's title is what we'll examine today for these few uh, brief moments. Do you have an aching heart? Do you have an aching heart? In Joshua chapter 6 and 7, Achan teaches us some very important lessons about sin in regards to our relationship with God and with each other. You, You see, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden, they set in motion this thing called sin that could be reversed. And the biggest consequence of sin is that it separates us from God, plain and simple. Adam and Eve's disobedience in the Garden of Eden, a.k.a. also known as sin, has followed generations throughout the centuries. Romans 3.23 says as much when it says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. No matter how good you think you are, and some of us, let's face it, we go around thinking we are better than other people. Or, uh, again, this is going to be a little uncomfortable for some because you don't do this. You, you have a list of sins, don't you? Let, let's, let's face up to it. You, you have a list of sins, and the real bad people do these sins. And I'm not, I'm not in that list. No matter how good you think you are, it won't wipe your slate clean from God's standpoint. But the good news is, is that God has made a way to gain acceptance in his presence in the person of Jesus Christ. And I praise God for that. How about you? Well, there are many examples in the Bible and in our present day about those who engage in sin and the consequences that followed. And I'm sure many of you have stories to tell about engaging in sin and the consequences that followed in your case. Wouldn't it be nice, wouldn't it be nice to be able to take those mean words you spoke, either in your mind 
or out loud those four-letter words, come on, come on, those four-letter words that you spoke in your mind or out in the open or those sinful actions you engaged in and erased them from the record. Unfortunately, we can't, but God can. Praise God. So, so I want us to look at Achan's example for these few brief moments I have in your presence this morning. What can we learn from Achan's sin that is true of all sins so we won't have an Achan heart? Well, first of all, first of all, an Achan heart knows that God will not tolerate disobedience. God will not tolerate disobedience. Before we go any further, let's, let's define sin for our understanding this morning. After all, the doctrine of sin is really central to the Christian faith, isn't it? Since his basic message is about redemption in Jesus Christ. So sin in its, in its simplest and purest form is disobedience towards God. Let me say that again. In defining sin, sin in its simplest and purest form is disobedience towards God. But, but, but as we go on, I don't want us to lose sight of the amazing love of God. You see, God loves the sinner, you and me, but he hates the what? The sin, the disobedience. In other words, God loves you and me, but he doesn't love our sinful actions. So we, we need to keep those intention there, that he loves the sinner, but hates the sin. His love for us is amazing, folks. His grace and mercy, well, really can't be explained. Uh, that's what I want to keep before us as we examine this subject of sin this morning. God's amazing love for us. Some of us have sung this hymn, if once a million times, amazing love, amazing Grace, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? Andre, the late Andre Crouch had a song, and, and it simply said, where would I be if Jesus didn't love me? Where would I be if Jesus didn't care? Where would I be if he didn't sacrifice his life? Oh, but I'm glad. Hallelujah. So glad. So glad he did. So, so throughout scripture and in life itself, there are stories of those who disobedience, a.k.a. sin, cause severe consequences. For instance, many of us were raised in households that your parents demanded, demanded respect and obedience Disobedience brought, in some cases, severe consequences. So it is with God. He will not tolerate disobedience. We really need to be clear about that. 
Today's story points to that in Joshua chapter 6 and 7. You, you see, in Joshua chapter 6, God instructed Joshua on what to do as they entered the fortified city of Jericho. God told Joshua that the victory was his. But Joshua needed to follow instructions from God on how to enter and destroy Jericho. You know the story. Joshua followed the instructions to a T. He walked around with the nation of Israel, the walls of Jericho, once for six days. On the seventh day, he walked around seven times with the nation of Israel around Jericho. The horns blew. The nation of Israel shouted, and the walls came tumbling down. You, you see, partial obedience is disobedience. Let me say that again. Partial obedience is disobedience. Uh, what if Joshua would have said on the fourth day, you know, he had to be patient, folks. <laughs> if he would have said on the fourth day, hey, guys, man, I'm tired. How about you? Let's just go in. We wouldn't be reading about Joshua as we're reading about him today. He followed the instructions to a T. God does not tolerate disobedience. Remember the story of Jesus that Jesus tells of, of two sons in Matthew 21, verses 28 through 31? Let, let me refresh your memory. Two brothers whose father tells them to go work in the vineyard. One tells his father that he will, but he doesn't do it. The other tells his father he won't go but ends up working all day in the vineyard. And, and see, Jesus was teaching a lesson here to the elders and the priests, the religious folks, who said yes to dad, but didn't go. But he tells us that tax collectors and prostitutes, those who said no, really said yes because they're going to make it into the kingdom before those quote-unquote religious folks. You see, folks, the quicker we learn to obey the word of God, the quicker we will experience success, but the success won't be without challenges. Well, Joshua 1.8 says as much when it says, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night to be careful to do all that's written in it. Then you will be prosperous, and then will you have success. In Joshua 6, God told Joshua to destroy everything and everyone in Jericho except Rahab, the prostitute, and our family. Because remember when the 12 spies went over, Rahab sheltered, sheltered them. But keep the devoted things for the Lord's treasury. God told Joshua to tell the people. Now, now here's what happened. Here's what happened, though. 
in Joshua 7, 1, it says, but the Israelites acted unfaithfully in regards to the devoted things. Achan, son of Karma, son of Zimri, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them, took some of the devoted things. When Achan took some of them, that is the devoted things, he was saying in essence that he doesn't care what Joshua said as the spokesman of God. So you see, that's why an Achan heart is a disobedient heart. And God will not tolerate disobedience. He's not going to look the other way, folks. He's not going to say it's all right. God will not tolerate disobedience. But, but secondly, 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 uh, the lesson that Achan shows us is that sin is never in isolation. Sin is never in isolation. Numbers 32 23 says as much. It says, be sure your sins will find you out. How many of us know the truth of that scripture? I've certainly found this, uh, that scripture to be true. My sins, your sins are never done in isolation, folks. They always involve others, either directly or indirectly. So, so what is the origin of sin? Let, let's go back to the creation story, shall we, for just a few moments. God created everything in six days. Seven days he, he rested. He made man on the seventh day. Gave man the Garden of Eden. You remember the story. Said, hey, Adam, you can have the run of, the, of this garden. Just don't eat from this one tree right there. The tree of the knowledge of what? Good and evil. The day you eat of it, you shall surely what? Surely die. God put Adam to sleep. From his rib, he made woman, Eve. It said the, the serpent came along and engaged Eve in conversation, didn't he? He said, did God say not to eat from this tree? And Eve said, not to touch nor eat of this tree. And the serpent said, really? Now, I'm paraphrasing here now, so don't run out here and say the, the pastor was way off on some of this stuff. He said, God knows that if you eat of that, you're going to be wise like him. Here's a sad commentary, folks. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, here's what it says. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable to gain wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. So Adam was standing up here listening to the conversation. And he ate it. 
Folks, the actions of Adam and Eve disobeying God's instruction has impacted all of humanity to this very day. Point being, sin is never in isolation. Sin is never in isolation. Here's another example. You remember the story in Acts chapter 5 about Ananias and Sapphira? The story goes that the believers were sharing all of their possessions for the good of the community. Remember that? They were selling their homes and selling their their, uh, 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 lawnmowers, sharing everything for the good of the community. And then, here come Ananias and Sapphira conspiring not to give everything. They kept some of it. The story goes that believers were sharing their possessions. But here comes Ananias who conspired with his wife to lie about their giving. Acts 5.2 says this. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. What was the consequences of their sin? Death for both of them, Ananias and Sapphira. Folks, sin is never in isolation. Uh, uh, Please allow me to uh, share a very personal story that points up to sin is, is never in isolation. Uh, uh, many years ago, uh, I'm aging myself here now, um, back in the 60s, yeah, the 1900s, <laughs> some of you know. Um, when I was a teenager in Chicago, I belonged to a little Mennonite church. And that little Mennonite church was given a bunch of bikes. They weren't new bikes. They needed a little tender, loving care. But for young teenagers who didn't have bikes, let me get on it and ride it, okay? So, so we came to the pastor that summer and said, hey, pastor, and I can't remember how many of us, uh, it may have been four or five of us, can we ride the bikes? The pastor said to us, Remember now, we're still on sin is never in isolation. The pastor said, you can't ride the bikes yet. We need to get them all fixed up, and then you can ride them. But what I want you boys to do is to take these bikes to the local gas station and have the tires inflated. We said, pastor, we will surely do that. Again, I can't remember. It was in the 1900s, Scott. Uh, whether it was four of us or five of us. In any case, we took the bikes to the gas station, inflated the tires. Remember, the pastor said, take the bikes to the gas station, inflate the tires, and bring them straight back here. All of us heard that. All of us inflated our tires, and then we engaged in conversation. Wrong, wrong thing to do. Our family had just moved from around the church. See, I lived in walking distance to the church for many years. 
the Lord blessed us with a home further south from the church. And so we agreed that it might be good to see Raymond's new house. Wrong answer. Sin is never in isolation. So we said, we can do that and get back pretty quickly. Well, my house was a pretty good distance now away from where the church was. Anyhow, long, long, short, we ride past my house. Now we wanted to take the scenic route back to the church. That's the lakefront, folks, in Chicago. Chicago has a beautiful lakefront. Have any of you seen uh, the lakefront on Chicago? Yeah, it's, it's pretty nice. So we thought that we would take the scenic route and go to the lakefront and come to the church. How many of you know that there's a lot of communities in Chicago? Us four, five, whatever, rode through the wrong community. Wrong community for us, okay? I'm not going to go any deeper, so you, 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 everybody's an adult in here, okay? As a result, a number of us got beat up, and the bikes that the pastor told us to take, inflate the tires and come back, were missing. All because, all because we disobeyed his instructions. Again, sin is never in isolation. Sin is never in isolation. My sins impacted others. All four of us, all five of us. Exodus 25 and 6 says this. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting iniquities of the fathers on the children on the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Let me ask you a question uh, this morning, you grandparents especially. If you knew that your sin would impact your children's children, would you still engage in the sin? In other words, impact your grandchildren? Of course not. But we also know what Matthew 26, 41 says, where Jesus tells the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh, the flesh is weak. Folks, this flesh is weak, causing us to do things that, well, we regret in the long run. Uh, so it is with the story of Achan. His flesh took over regarding the devoted things, and he took what God said not to. You, you see, Joshua told them, the Israelites, that is, not to take the devoted things in Joshua 6.18. It says this, but keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Now, now, what are the devoted things? Well, verse 24 of chapter 6 tells us what the devoted things are. But they put the silver and gold and articles of brass and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. 
If you remember nothing else, Ipsy Free, this morning, if, if you remember nothing else concerning this message, please remember this. My sins, your sins, will impact others so your actions are never in isolation. One would think that that should be enough reason, really, not to engage in sin. In the case of Achan, here's what, here's what happened. And I'm going to read it straight from the scriptures here. In Joshua chapter 7, starting at verse 24. Then Joshua, together with all Israel, took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold wedge, his sons, hear that, his sons and his daughters, his cattle, his donkeys and sheep, his tent and all that he had to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you. Ipsy free, our sins have far-reaching implications. So an aching heart knows that sin is never in isolation. But finally, finally, an aching heart knows that sin must be exposed before it can be removed. Sin must be exposed before it can be removed. 1 John 1, 9 says this. It says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Folks, I'm so glad that God not only loves us, he's gracious towards us, he's merciful towards us, but listen to this, he'll forgive us. He'll forgive us. He'll forgive us. Confession is hard but necessary if we're to experience God's forgiveness. Remember the story of King David, the adulterous affair with Bathsheba in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12. Again, I'm just refreshing many of your memories. King David, during a season of war, when kings should be leading their troops into war, was at home. One evening, he looked upon Bathsheba. You know the story. Desired her, called her in to himself, had an adulterous affair. A baby resulted from it. And David, King David, tried to hide it up by having her husband killed. You remember that, Uriah. The Lord sent the prophet Nathan to him. Remember that? And Nathan related a story to him. You remember the story? Nathan said, hey, hey King, let, let me share this with you, sir. There was a rich man and there was a poor man. The rich man had a large flock of lambs and, and, uh, and animals and all of that. The poor man had just one small lamb. He treated that lamb like his own kid, the scripture says. He loved that lamb. That lamb walked with him. He probably, uh, many of us are pet lovers. We've named our animals, haven't we? Our dogs and our cats. He probably named the lamb. He loved that lamb. 
That was all he had. He was a poor man. The scripture says the rich man had a visitor that came over. And you know what he was going to have? Brother Scott, he said, we're going to have some pork chops, lamb chops, lamb chops, not pork chops, lamb chops tonight. And he went over to the poor man's house and took that one little lamb. Now, now David is listening to this. You can see the steam starting to come out of his ears and his head. Nathan said, uh, you know, okay, what, what do you think? You, you can see, you can, you, can, you can just picture David. I want him dead. And he's going to pay back four times what he took from that poor little old man. Here's what the scripture says in 2 Samuel 12, 7. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. David's sins was exposed. Nathan said, listen, man, you're the king. God watched over you with Saul. You have the run of the mill. Why did you take Bathsheba in an illicit affair? You had the run of the... Uh, you, you, you could have had any, any relationship you wanted. You're the king. But you took this poor, who, by the way, was fighting for him in the army, Uriah, took his wife and had a relationship with him. You, you see, in the story of Achan, after Israel was defeated by a smaller enemy, Al, they were discouraged and rightfully so because they had just defeated and destroyed Jericho. Joshua 7, 10 and 11 tells us why they were defeated by a smaller enemy. And it says this, Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. Yes, sin must be exposed, if see, before it can be removed. And God exposed the culprit. He exposed Achan. Joshua 7.20 said, Achan replied, it is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. And this is what I've done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 shackles of silver, a wedge of gold weighing 50 shackles, I coveted, the 10th tenth, tenth commandment, you remember, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. Folks, exposure is necessary to weed out sin. Just like a disease at the hospital. It must be exposed before it can be removed. In other words, confession is a must as we seek forgiveness from the Lord. Talk about revival. A lot of people have been talking about revival lately. This is how you have revival. We begin to confess, expose our sins to one another, and ask God to forgive us. For our sins. Here's a side note. Here's a side note. Do, do you want your prayers to be powerful and effective? Uh, do you want your, do you want to be healed of your diseases? Here's what James 5, 16 says. Therefore, confess, expose, confess your sins to each other. 
and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So an aching heart knows that sin must be exposed before it can be removed. Well, well what are the next steps? So we've gone through uh, the message here. What, what, what are the next steps? In closing, it, it, it's, I, I want to give you an easy way to remember today's message with an acronym DIE, D-I-E. After all, one must die to themselves if they're to please God and walk in his presence. Galatians 2.20 says as much. It says, and this is Paul, I have been crucified, died. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and died for me. So, die. D stands for disobedience. God will not tolerate disobedience. I stands for isolation. Sin is never in isolation. And E stands for exposure. Sin must be exposed before it can be removed. Thank you for your attentiveness as we close I want every head bowed and every eye closed. This is a sacred moment, folks. We all know sin is real uh, because we engage in it daily, whether we want to be honest about it or not. But remember, God hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. And this morning, he's crying out, if you can hear him, I love you. I love you. I died for you. I want you. I want to be in a relationship with you. And if that's you, if you want to say, hey, I'm tired of sinning. I'm tired of being disobedient. I want to give my life over to the Lord. It's very simple. All you need to do is confess, expose your sins. Admit it. I'm a sinner, Lord. I've done wrong. And your gift that you've given for my sins is your son, Jesus Christ. And I receive that gift this morning into my heart. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my heart this morning. Or if you want a more formal way, what's on the screen, Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy, grace, and love found in and through Jesus. Save me and forgive me for my sins. I give you my life and choose to follow love and live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Father God, in the name of Jesus, these dear people, Lord, heard your word. We're all sinners, but you love us. Father, may we be the people of God that serves you. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen, amen. God bless you.